I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Mike, today I really want to find out if you ended up joining the Z Flip gang. But first, we have a test drivers bonus exclusive on the Xbox Series X. So I want to hear more about this. I know that you've spent some time uh, with the Microsoft crew learning yes. a bunch about the Xbox. Uh, well, first, I guess Series X is the name, right? Because like, that was it always big, a big question. So I actually had the opportunity last week to go up to, to visit the Microsoft HQ. I got to spend some time with pretty much the entire Xbox like product team, so the amazing. guys who designed it. Yeah, I was like dinner with like Phil Spencer. Like it was a very, very cool experience. And I got to get a really deep hands-on of pretty much everything there is to know about the Series X, short of things like the price. And they're not showing a lot of games yet, but all of the technical aspects, I got to play with the controller. I got to get a deep dive of the console. I got to take the entire thing apart. It was... Wow. There's some good days at work, and then there are some good days at work. And that was definitely one of them. So I guess everyone, if they haven't already, has to go and watch the video that you made. Yes. So they can get a feel for this. But I want to dig into some parts and talk about it a little more with you as we do around here. Was it finished hardware? No. Okay. It is quite close. So uh, it was interesting. The product team had settled on the vertical design, which I know was sort of very controversial. Mm-hmm. They'd settled on that something like toward the end of like 2017 or something. Wow. And the actual, the basic design, like obviously they're going to be making tweaks all the way up until, you know, it, it hits production in, you know, a few months or whenever they actually need to start building these things for real. But essentially it is very, very close. I believe that some of like the back panel, mm-hmm. like they haven't actually finalized exactly what ports will be on the back. But yeah, it is quite close. And as far as I know, the controller is, pretty much dead on like there's just minor tweaks that they're going to make from here so i mean you we can we can look at sizes we can look at measurements as much as we want but in person can you imagine it fitting easily into yours or other people's entertainment units yes so the thing is you can use it both horizontally and vertically mm-hmm. And what actually i found kind of interesting is so again when it comes come back to talking with the de- designers the reason they landed on that design is, spoiler alert, the Series X is an incredibly powerful console. It's the highest power draw, the most powerful Xbox they've ever made, so obviously they had to cool that, right? But what they did was they actually took an early model of the Series X, again, years ago, and they brought it into a bunch of like basically people's houses after signing what I'm sure were very thorough non-disclosure agreements. And essentially they tested it in a bunch of different people's real homes to see how it would work, how thermals would be and everything. And they seem to think that it would be just fine. So what's interesting is, is that when you actually have it on its side, it's almost the exact same width as an Xbox One X. It's not as deep, but it is, of course, a little bit taller. I obviously can't speak for having one in my own home yet, but I actually feel like it's a little bit smaller than I had anticipated after just looking at like the renders from their launch video. You said then that this is the most powerful Xbox ever made. Isn't oh, every yes. Xbox the most powerful Xbox ever made, though? Well, yes. Okay, so there are two ways to look at power. There's obviously, you know, the the teraflops and the CPU and everything, but there's also just the literal power draw. 
the Microsoft team are not talking like the actual TDP numbers or like, you know, I wasn't able to plug this thing into a watt meter and measure it. Obviously, it's not final yet. <laughs> I had one with me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was kindly escorted out. No, but I can say that it has a 300 watt power supply, which is not insignificant considering that this is a you know an soc based system it's cpu gpu all in one single die i mean when you look at the size of the vapor chamber on this thing it is monstrous what's a vapor chamber so they actually first introduced the vapor chamber on the xbox side with the one x essentially it is like a typically it's like a copper like piece that will directly attach to the cpu the apu as well as the memory oh is it like a heat thing it's like imagine like a really big heat sink but there actually will be a little bit of liquid inside hence the vapor yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there'll be like little like columns and stuff where the, okay. the water can sort of vaporize, condense. It, it's a little bit more of an efficient way of transferring heat out to there's a bunch of like aluminum fins on the back, which you can see in the video. Because I'm assuming they probably also do not want to actually liquid core the games console for the no. potential issues that that could have at larger not. scale. Right. So one, something I was kind of surprised about, there's a single fan in the Series X. The cooling design is actually not wildly dissimilar to the Trashcan Mac Pro. Oh no! Obviously, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. It doesn't have it doesn't have that weird triangle shape inside, uh-huh. but it does have one fan, which essentially it's on the top here. But essentially, the air comes in through the bottom. It is channeled through actually a really complicated maze of different sort of channels to like you know cool the SSD and to make sure that the power supply gets it. But essentially, it runs it straight through those aluminum fins on the back of the heatsink and exhausts it out the top. So it's mm-hmm. actually a really clever design, but it's way way easier to do that than try to incorporate water cooling, which may leak i mean when you look at like something like a console which they're going to build tens of millions of the last thing they want is any kind of reliability issue i guess if they're making it so powerful you want to have lots of opportunities to keep it running cool which is probably why they made it so big right like one of the reasons that it's so big absolutely okay yes yeah so and there's also a lot here so obviously this console still has an optical drive so it's pretty much the same blu-ray drive as we had last generation so crazy i mean i get why and like i do still buy major console games on discs for performance reasons although that's probably going to change oh yes but it's hilarious still, though, to think of the fact that we're still using discs, but I guess <laughs> with the size of the games, sometimes it is necessary. There are obviously a lot of sort of large components that have to be there, but I really did get the impression that because they're essentially pushing this console so far from a pure like wattage and heat aspect, and they didn't want to sacrifice on you know this thing running actually physically super hot or you know it being really loud, it should be about the same sort of audio profile as what you had on the One X, which is really right. quite quiet, especially better than... Than a lot of PlayStation 4 Pro models. My PlayStation 4 Pro is super loud. It's bad, right? It gets so hot, too. Yes. And I think that's something they were trying to avoid. So I get it. I get that, you know, you trade size for quietness and longevity. Personally, especially when you see it in person, it is bigger, but it's not like the huge, massive box I think I had in my head before going in. I think you are an Xbox guy, right, at heart? Yes. See, I've gone back and forth a lot, and I was in this generation, I was all in on PlayStation. But I have honestly started coming around to Microsoft a little bit more in recent times because they seem to be hungrier. Oh, yes. Like, the Games Pass is just a great example of this, right? The Xbox Game Pass, which is basically a subscription fee. It's like a Netflix for games. But what I like about it is it's available on Xbox, but also PC with one subscription. Yeah. Every single exclusive game gets put on this service, which is amazing 
it is true, but it feels too good to be true because it's just like, why would you put all the best games there? I mean, well, the reason is they need to make people go for it, but it yeah. does end up being a very good deal. Absolutely, especially considering that when you have Ultimate, like you're also getting like Xbox Live Gold, which you're probably going to end up spending, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 bucks a year on anyway. So I think one of my big takeaways from looking at the Series X is that the line between console generations is starting to blur. So I can stay straight up. Now, this is very much not final in any way, but the software on the Series X, very similar to on the Xbox One. Very, very similar. Which makes sense, right? I mean, when you go from one gaming PC to another, you're still running Windows at the end of the day. And also, like, who cares about this new software, right? Like, ultimately, who cares if they change the Xbox software? Like, is that important? Well, so the thing is, I know a lot of people have complained about the Xbox One dashboard throughout the various different iterations because it's kind of slow. But honestly, a lot of that slowness just comes from the fact that the Xbox One, and obviously PS4, but it felt a little bit more important on the Xbox One, has a pretty slow CPU and did not have... It just, it felt kind of slow, especially with the hard drive when, you know, you're waiting for all your icons to load and then, like, have, like, all these things popping up. It was pretty slow. Yeah, like, I'm on board with the idea of making it better if it's bad but the idea of needing to have new software just doesn't seem like something that i care about with a games console yes and now don't get me wrong there are certainly new features Mm -hmm. but the core sort of build as of right now which again very much subject to change this thing's not shipping for months and months is very similar as far as the UI and everything, to the Xbox One. And that actually extends to the games. So something that they've really put a huge emphasis on this time around is compatibility. So obviously you still have all those original Xbox and Xbox 360 games, which should work. There may be some very small exceptions. They have to test, you know, thousands of games and they had not finished that. But they are, they're essentially trying to bring all that work over to the Series X. And also they're trying to bring pretty much all Xbox One games over as well. So what's interesting about it is that while if you're trying to play like, you know, like an original Xbox or 360 game, it runs in that sort of like emulation uh, layer where you see you know like the old school blade interface and everything but with xbox one games there's pretty much no distinction between a one game and a series x game running on series x they launch the same they look pretty much the same like there's nothing really about it besides the actual game itself and the sort of the visuals and they're doing some interesting things like with smart delivery you can for a lot of games not all but a lot of games if you buy the xbox one game and there's a series x game you just download that series x patch or whatever when it comes out you don't have to pay anything extra it's a really interesting time because i feel like that line between like last generation and this generation is really getting hazy especially with these like mid-cycle refreshes like the one x and the ps4 pro let's talk about i mean power is the thing here and honestly one of the big differences is moving from spinning discs to solid state discs right to ssds which is it seems wild in 2020 to be thinking oh it's great we moved to ssds but just games (laughs) consoles are not there right they just have not been there and I know that as well as this, like Sony, this is like one of their big things, right? Like for for the PlayStation 5 is SSD. Can you give me a, like an idea of what what changes have you been able to experience or have they been able to talk to you about for how SSDs and storage is going to make a difference for the Xbox Series X? So the main idea is that all games have a very set level of performance they can expect. Right. So previously with consoles, you know, it runs at this clock speed on the CPU and the GPU. And when developers are optimizing, they can get it just right to make sure that things will load just in time and that everything is running smoothly. However, a missing piece there was that developers really didn't have a great sense for what the storage performance would look like. I mean, sure, if you're running on like a PS4, you could theoretically have installed an SSD. 
or alternatively, you could be running on a kind of slow external USB hard drive. Like there was a lot of variance, which meant that developers couldn't really guarantee that they were getting that super fast level of I/O performance. Well, with the Series X specifically, it will still support like USB hard drives and everything, but it will really support those in the same way that the Xbox One did. If you're playing an older game like an Xbox One game, especially if you're upgrading from Series X to like a from a One to a Series X, you can just unplug your accessories, including your hard drive, plug it into Series X. It works no problem Mm -hmm. when it comes to series x games the plan is is that they can all guarantee they will only be running on an ssd which means that you either are going to be running them on the internal ssd or they actually have this little external card it actually leaked a little while ago but essentially it's a little external ssd that plugs in it almost looks exactly like a memory card and it will give you the exact same performance do you know what the internal storage options are just one terabyte was all they had talked about. Okay. There may be other SKUs, obviously a one terabyte, very fast PCI 4.0 SSD, which has been custom tuned, is yep. not cheap. So mm. uh, yeah, I'm sure that they will do more. And in fact, uh, when I was asking, so they have that expansion port on the back. Right now they're only shipping, or they will only plan to ship a one terabyte expansion module. However, it seems very likely that you'll be able to grab like a two terabyte or four terabyte down the line as prices come down. I bet they start at lower than one terabyte. If the expansion model is going to be one terabyte, I would be surprised if the starting option was a terabyte because it, you know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. like that there's that, as you say, it would be very pricey because a terabyte is a, it's quite a lot. I know games are big, but that is a very large starting option. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's going to be a not insignificantly cheap upgrade for your Series X. Let's be real. The Series X is going to be super expensive anyway, right? Like, uh, it looks like it's going to yeah. cost a pretty penny. I mean, I understand how these things go. Like, they've made it look really nice if you like yeah. that style. It looks very premium. And that will help them, I'm sure, to be able to command a price for this thing. Yes, I didn't get any kind of good read on what they're actually going to charge for this thing, but I did get the sense that pretty much from the beginning, they had a very specific target in mind. And the way they talked, it sounds like they're hitting that target. So I know there have been some rumors that like, you know, Sony's having problems trying to figure out exactly how they're going to price the PlayStation. The Xbox guys gave nothing but confidence that they had aimed for a price from the beginning and they're still on target to hit that. Yeah. So whether but that we, price is... But that, that target could it's be hard to say. 400 or 800, right? Like, <laughs> or anywhere yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously there's still... We have no word whatsoever on any kind of lower end Series X. So there have been a lot of rumors that maybe like a Series S or something below hand. Below that, that's not remotely confirmed. They didn't talk about that at all. This is really what they're focusing on for... The foreseeable future, it sounds like, yep. and any later models will you know, come when they can. There will be a later model, but I can't imagine oh, yes. them being like, here's our new amazing console and here's this other cheaper one at the same time. That's just bad marketing. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I just don't... I, I don't expect to see it this year. It's kind no. of my impression right now. I feel like that may be a next year thing. Obviously, it's something that's been kind of kicking around in their studio somewhere from all the leaks rumors. Because going to be enough of a launch lineup to justify two consoles right yeah and i'm sure they want to sell the more expensive series x yeah right yeah 
So there's a, there's a lot of interesting things, but the power I think is something that is worth talking about because really what I got to do is I got to get a fairly deep dive on the hardware. They're going to be mm-hmm. showing a lot more games off probably around like E3 time or a little bit later on, but the, the power of this console is significant. So not only do you have that standard very fast SSD, you also have some cool software things. So they have this new direct storage API, which essentially will, you can run games like, you know, you could install an Xbox One game on the SSD now and it will be quite a bit faster. But when you're taking advantage of some of these other APIs, such as like that direct storage essentially it can significantly speed things up i mean there's some crazy things you can do for series x games like the you essentially can use the ssd as like virtual memory so say you know you're obviously have your like what 13 and a half gigs or whatever that of, of memory which is free for games to actually work on but you can actually pull assets from the ssd directly into your gpu like it kind of really almost acts as like Funny. a next level cache for the uh, yeah the memory it's very very cool so there's a lot of stuff they're doing on that front can you give me an, an example though like with something like that as a gamer am i going to see things moving faster loading faster is that yes. what i would expect to see from that? oh you will certainly do that and actually they have a, another feature which is called quicker zoom which essentially every game is saved in its own virtual machine and as soon as you exit it can hold like multiple games in memory at the same time or well in in ssd memory but essentially the demo i got to try was i got to move between four xbox one games and an xbox 360 game and i didn't ha- it was almost like save states on an emulator right i went from one game to the uh, next i waited two seconds for the last game to sort of save the background boom i was immediately into the game exactly where i was that's how it should be and the thing is that actually survives even when you unplug and turn off the console right like it's literally (laughs) hell yeah that's awesome it is so cool and even you know outside of that every game as long as you have it installed to that ssd is going to load faster right like we had state of decay running on a one x and a series x side by side i swear i feel like the series x was like 20 seconds ahead like it wasn't even funny like i killed like three zombies before the one x had even <laughs> finished loading i mean that's what you want though right like we shouldn't be waiting for 10 minutes for these things to start up anymore yes another big feature and i know if you want all the technical details you can definitely check out the video but i think some of the things that really jump out to me is how aggressive microsoft was on their apu so the actual physical size of the chip is almost the same as the one x However, it's on the much more advanced 7 nanometer process, which means that they're fitting almost double the transistors into the exact same area that they did, like, what, two and a half, three years ago? And because of that, they're able to not only get a massive GPU. So, for context, this has 52 CUs. I believe that's actually more than, like, any AMD graphics card that you can buy right now, right? Like, this is a, this is not some, like, when the Xbox One came out. It was, like, a mid to lowish end gpu equivalent this is like higher than anything amd is selling right now right i mean they've got 4k they've got 120 support they've got 8k support like they're really pushing the envelope there it also has a pretty 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 powerful cpu it's got an eight core essentially like a ryzen 7 built in at like 3.8 gigahertz it's all amd right all of this stuff is amd made okay Yes, yes. So it is a single SOC. It's a single, like, you know, AMD calls it, an APU. And you have eight Ryzen cores, so it's pretty much exactly what you would get with some tweaks. I know they've done some tuning. But essentially, it's the same as if you got, like, a, I guess, a Ryzen 7, like, 3700X. It's pretty equivalent to that. Mm-hmm. And then the GPU is actually, it's not, not only it's a bigger, more powerful GPU than anything you can buy, but it's a new generation. So it's RDNA 2.0, which means that it's going to be significantly more powerful than pretty much any kind of console we've seen a long time as far as like performance versus like gaming pcs at launch like it's it's really impressive at how far they've pushed not only the hardware but specifically the clock speeds it's clear they need a lot of cooling to sort of pull that off 
is there anything else worth being excited over? And I mean, like, as a gamer, right? Like, just as a regular person who enjoys playing games as opposed to, like, being necessarily just impressed by the hardware. To me, and this is something that the guys at Microsoft had said multiple times, this is their platform for the next seven to ten years. So when we look at what happened with last generation, mm-hmm. both the PS4 and the Xbox One when they first came out were pretty conservative, right? I mean, neither of them really pushed the envelope in a way that arguably I think they could have, right? I mean, especially when you look at the PS3 and the Xbox 360, those are highly custom chips. Those are highly custom architectures. And in the PlayStation side, they obviously paid the penalty by kind of maybe going a little bit too far too quickly. But mm-hmm. those are really innovative, cool designs. The Xbox One and PS4, they had okay graphics, but the CPUs were terrible even compared to sort of normal PCs at the time and the hard drives were straight slow right there were significant things holding that console generation back and while yes you know you look at the mid-cycle refreshes things got better but you still have some very fundamental issues with hitting that higher level of performance that honestly that we've had on gaming PCs for a very very long time however this time around there's essentially no bottleneck. So there's a line that I like. I literally had to double take on. They're wanting to try to backport some of the features from the Series X to PC. And he said the line, because we don't want PCs to hold up the console. And I was like, excuse me? What? But think about it, right? CPU is absolutely on par with pretty much the best game PCs right now. Uh-huh. Obviously not like insanely high overclocked, but I mean, it is very, very competent. The graphics, I think, are Roughly equivalent, I mean, obviously we don't have numbers on it, but just doing some rough math, I mean, we're probably in this sort of neighborhood of like an RTX like 2080 or something right now. Like, I mean, it seems to be pretty powerful. And the SSD is as fast, if not faster, than anything you can get on a gaming PC right now. So when you put all of these together with obviously this special sauce that, you know, helps console developers really kind of optimize their software for the exact hardware, I think that I'm excited that we have a generation here, which is right out of the gate, as good, if not better, than some of the best gaming PCs that we can get. And I think that's going to help build the entire industry over the next few years with like ray tracing being standard and all this stuff being just what you develop for when you're developing a console game and you sort of throw your PC support and go, oh, hopefully it's as good as these Series X. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Samebox. Getting your inbox to zero is pretty much impossible these days. We all get tons of email, and sometimes the most important stuff, the ones, the emails that you really want to see, they can get lost. And that's where Samebox comes in. As messages arrive, Samebox will triage them for you, sorting the important emails from the noise. It puts what matters in your inbox and the distracting stuff to your Sane Later folder, which lets you deal with what's important right now, and you can review everything else when it suits you. Samebox also has nifty features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again, and Sane Reminders to notify you if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date, which is really useful. If you want to chase somebody, you don't have to put it into your task manager, just put it into Sane Reminders and you'll get a reminder from Sanebox. Best of all, you can use Sanebox with any email client or phone, or device, it will work wherever you check your email. I have been a Happy Sanebox customer for years. I use it to make sure that the email that I'm getting is just the stuff that I want in my inbox, and I can very easily remove the stuff that I don't want to see. It has made a great difference on the amount of email that I have to deal with. See how Sanebox can work its magic to remove distractions from your inbox by getting a free two-week trial right now. Go to sanebox.com slash test drivers to start your free trial, and you'll also get a 
$25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash test drivers. Our thanks to Sanebox for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Mike, mm-hmm. have you officially joined the Z Flip gang? Well, I have one. Yes! I bought one immediately. Okay, so okay. So this is the thing. I have not shared with Austin any impressions at all. No. We have not spoken about it. Our show document that we share where we put notes in, I have not put any of my notes <laughs> in the document. I'm so excited, man. I like. I saw like you like post on Instagram when you mm-hmm. got it. And like I so wanted to ask how it was. I'm like, oh, I have to be patient. I have to be patient. Are you part of the Z Flip gang? Or are you going to hold me in suspense right now? I'm going to hold you in suspense a little bit longer. Ah, okay, okay. How do you think I feel about this device? I think that you are... I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that you appreciate some of the differences. Mm-hmm. I know, obviously, you weren't a huge fan of the Fold. And I think that there are definitely some similarities. But honestly, the, the form factors in the way that you would use the two phones, I think, couldn't be more different. I think a better way to say about the Fold is I loved it for what it is, but could never use it. You know? Right, like, right. I think it's a very interesting device, but it, a daily driver is not. Right. It's just too cumbersome. That's the difference with Z Flip. I have been dailying it for, what, three or four weeks now or something? Mm-hmm. And I have no intentions of going back at all, right? I mean, I've had no issues, no scratches, no... I'm like, I'm still 100% as happy today as I was the first day. I mean, I, I, I love it. So I hope that you are at least enjoying the Z Flip, because if not, I'm going to feel really dumb. So I got the purple one. Okay, okay, good move, good move. I just felt like the right way to go for me. I, I'm going to hold you in suspense a little bit longer. Oh, I'll, okay. give you some, I'll give you some opinions and maybe you can start drawing your own conclusion. But okay. the hardware itself is beautiful. Yes. It's so eye-catching. You know, I think Samsung are very aware of the fact that they are charging you such high amounts of money. So I think they do everything they can to at least make it feel like you've got the best experience possible. And that's yeah. even down to like the iridescent Samsung logo that they put on the hinge. Yeah. You know, I think they just try and throw in as many details as possible so you actually feel like you can understand a little bit of why your device costs $1,300, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say that, like, it feels very premium to me. Like, there's no part of it where I feel like I have been kind of taken for a ride with what they've given me from a hardware perspective. Have you had any issues with scratching or durability? Or how do you feel about that? So I'm using the the plastic case that came with it, which I was very thankful that they included that. I just think that's a nice touch. Yeah. I have some scratches on that case. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they would have actually carried through to the device itself, probably because it's glass. But the screen itself, I have had absolutely zero issues with. Like no, no marks, no nothing. Um, and I would say I'm not, babying the device you know like i'm not really like taking care of it because that would you know you could treat something like this like it's a precious gem but then i feel <laughs> like you're not using it the right. way that it should be used for you to be happy you know like i am keeping the z flip in a pocket that i keep my keys in oh wow okay because that's how i would use this device like if i'm going to carry it in my pocket i'm not going to put two phones in the same pocket because then i won't be able to move my right leg and i only have so many pockets <laughs> i think that says more about your your choice of wardrobe than anything else my jeans maybe tend to be on the slimmer <laughs> side but if i was going to use this i had to treat it how i would actually treat it right if i was daily Absolutely. driving this device and honestly, like, I feel like I actually can put this in pocket with keys because the screen is 
hidden. Yeah, and it's also smaller. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's one thing. The surface area is nicer. But if I had a regular Samsung device, I wouldn't be able to do that because the screen would get scratched by my keys. But funnily enough, even though this screen is more delicate, it doesn't get scratched because it's closed. Yes, yes. Right? That's one of the things that's been sort of nice for me. So I'm in the same boat. I have the plastic case on mine, although actually literally like 10 minutes before we started recording, I feel like this is a trend now, uh, mm-hmm. I had a deep brand delivered. So I'm going to actually put that on and see how that feels. So I actually got two different textures on each side because one of the only issues I really have with this phone is I constantly pull it out of my pocket without realizing which orientation it's in. So I'm hoping that the different textures right. will kind of help me with that and also slim things down a little bit. But yeah, I've had no real concerns after the first couple of weeks with just how protected that screen is because it's full. You're right. Like you're never really seeing the screen like exposed in your pocket or dirt and duff sort of getting on it. I've been pleasantly surprised. What biometrics do you use? Oh, I definitely use fingerprint sensor. Okay, you don't use the face sensor? No, I don't use any face sensor, which is just RGB-based. That's just, to me, is like, that's that's, that's a no-go. I am? I just can't get used to oh, no. fingerprint <laughs> sensors? Like, because I'm just so, like, I keep opening the phone, and then I was looking at it, waiting for something to happen. <laughs> right, I'm too used to face ID. The problem here is that you have face ID on too many devices, right? Because you yes. use the iPad so much. Yep. I'm used to, like, my laptop has the fingerprint sensor. My phone has a fingerprint sensor. Like, to me, it's, I've, I've, I never really gave it up. Yeah, see, I was gone from the fingerprint sensor world for too long. Like, I have the Mm. fingerprint sensor, and I use it from time to time, but a lot of the time I do forget. I think this is a a case of me slowly wanting to edge away from the RGB sensing face unlock thing, but it's just difficult. It's just like a really difficult thing for me to pull myself away from because I'm too used to it. But the screen is very tall. It is. It's very tall in a way that I feel like you cannot be prepared for like the physical <laughs> size of this phone when it is opened is strange it's thinner than you expect and taller than you expect which isn't a bad thing but it's just weird so for context if you have like an ultra wide display it's typically a 21 by 9 aspect ratio this is actually even wider than that right <laughs> it is you're right it is very very and tall. it is strange to watch video on yeah yeah that's one of the things so like personally i upload my videos in two to one which if you watch on like an iphone or something pretty much perfectly fills up the screen it which goes right up to the mm-hmm. notch yeah it's i i personally really like that sort of aspect ratio and on the Z Flip, it looks okay. But when you watch like standard 16 by 9, you realize you're losing almost like half the screen, it feels like. I mean, it is really is like having like an ultra-wide display in your pocket. Which is so weird. You don't like it? Okay. I like Uh-oh. it. No, 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 no. I like it for everything except video. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that. Because, and when I'm watching, like a lot of tech YouTubers do use the 2 by one right? And right. I really like that, and it looks fine. But most videos are uploaded in 16 by 9 and then it's super weird. Like, the black bars on the side are really, really strange, and I find that kind of peculiar. But for everything else, I really do like the tall screen. I think I said on our last episode, the majority of stuff that I'm doing on my phone includes lists of stuff, right? Lists of texts, lists of tweets, yeah. lists of emails. And I really like the taller aspect ratio because I like the text on my phone to be quite small. Lucky enough, my eyes are still good enough for that. And when I have the phone set the way that I want from like a size perspective, like a screen zoom and the text size, I do actually get a little bit more content on the screen than I do on my 11 Pro Max, which is surprising because it's so much thinner, right? It's so much like narrower, but I still get more content because there's the extra height. How have you found app compatibility? Because I know from my front, 
I've actually seen some small improvements since I've had this foam. Like for specifically, Instagram stories finally work correctly, which mm, is nice. Uh, they're still a little cut off on the sides. It's much better than it was before. I guess I'll say that for sure. Yeah. See, I was worried about that when when I when you were saying about it on the last episode, and clearly they had updated it in between. It's still cut off a little bit, but honestly, like unless somebody's using text on a story or whatever, you kind of don't notice it. Yeah. I would love it if they just did whatever it is there. Even if they show me black bars on the sides, I would still prefer yeah. that and like get all of the content uh, but it does feel like they have optimized at least a little bit for it honestly i have had no problems with any app that i've used with the screen aspect ratio none which is great nice have you tried many of the apps that specifically take advantage of split screen either with like you know with the camera which will move or just literally just using the standard built-in uh, split screen feature to have like both halves of the mm-hmm. screen used how have you found that oh, i love it oh, i love that okay feature. good yesterday when we were texting in slack and i had our conversation occupying like one third of the screen and then i was writing stuff in a google doc mm. and i just love it like i love being able to do that you end up with two tiny apps right but yeah. i love being able to do that because for the times when i want to be able to it's fantastic or like you know in, in a way that some some things are peculiar on android especially in google's apps with the way that they work, but they're also good at the same time. And what I mean by this is like Google Docs and Chrome. When you <laughs> open a Google Doc or a Chrome tab, they can be almost like their own independent apps, right? Yeah. Which is strange. So like when you look in multitasking, you end up with two things. Yes. Like, right? Which is peculiar, but then I am able to, if I want to, use two Google Docs windows independently of each other. So I can have right. them one on the top, one on the bottom. And there just isn't a good way to do this on any other platform that I use. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, on you know the PC or on Mac. You can easily just tear a couple tabs off, use split screen. And I, that's something that always has bothered me on the iPad when I try to really settle in and use it. It's so difficult to have multiple tabs up with the same time because like you're like oh sliding it in well this is a development thing yes multi-window mode does exist but google just hasn't uh, implemented it (laughs) they could have a multiple window mode in google docs but they just have not done it you know on the ipad yeah Mm -hmm. so you know i like that i'm able to do that i like i just think that's a cool feature i do like the screen in general as well i find the colors to be really vibrant yeah. It's something I typically like about Android more than iOS anyway, is that colors tend to be more vibrant on the screens. Right. I have found in a lot of times that I do feel like I do need to hold this phone differently. I can use it a lot of the time with one hand, but sometimes I'm finding that I need to use two hands for this device more than I do my iPhone because, yeah. you know, holding it in one hand, there is still a lot of phone above your hand. The only real time I can use it for one hand is I can one hand type on it, mostly just because it's not that wide. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's my that's my main thing for phones is that I like to be able to one hand type because sometimes, you know, you're just walking down or whatever. You just want to be able to easily like sort of send out a text. So I like that. Mike, okay. So I'm I'm happy that you have been generally, it sounds like, not hating your life or hating mm-hmm. me for making you buy this phone. But can I ask you, so obviously you had four criteria last episode for what you wanted in your Android phone. Mm-hmm. So can I ask how those are holding up? Yeah, okay. So the four criteria were good camera, 
I wanted a minimum 90 hertz refresh rate, ideally close to stock Android, and something I can't get with an iPhone. So we know immediately that the 90 hertz refresh rate is has been knocked out, right? There was no way yes. that this phone could compete here. But if we look at the something I cannot get with an iPhone thing, right? Like that is the folding screen, right? <laughs> and for me... Yes. That is, I kind of can put these two together and say we're good, right? Like, yes, okay. I did okay. not get a 90 hertz refresh rate, but I got a screen that folds in half. And for me personally, I feel like that's fine. I'm willing to give up the refresh rate thing if the screen does something else, you know? Yeah. And because yeah. what I'm really looking for there is like a cool screen technology and screen folding in half is good screen technology in my book. Yes. I almost did the exact same thing. So I came from the OnePlus 7T with 90 hertz over to the Z Flip. And I feel very similarly. I miss that. And I especially miss how fast the 120 hertz is on the S20 Ultra. However, I'm actually pretty happy. I mean, like the, the touch sensitivity seems to be really responsive, even though it's only a 60 hertz display. I never really find myself like, oh, the Z Flip feels slow. It's just not quite as smooth as I'd like. So uh, we have one solid pass and one like we squeak by on the second one, I guess. Yep. Good camera. It has a good camera. Okay. Okay. I was really kind of wondering. So I know that's the only the only things that we have been talking about in between the shows about the Z Flip. Is mm-hmm. I was sending you a bunch of photos of what I had taken. And I know personally, I've actually, well, I'm curious how you feel because I, I have some thoughts on this. You think it's okay? Yeah, I have no problem with it at all. I think it takes good photos, but I've always found Samsung phones take good photos because I actually like a lot of saturation in my photos. Like when I edit pictures for posting online, I will typically bump up the saturation quite a bit because that's just for my personal tastes. Yeah, And and Samsung's photos do just tend to be pretty highly saturated anyway. That works for me, honestly. I have no... I like the camera. In all honesty, like the camera in this phone is better than what i would consider good in that you know like when i I mean purely like passable and i know that with a lot of other android phones you know like oneplus phones tend not to be better than samsung (laughs) phones right on their cameras yeah so i i'm kind of pretty confident that the camera in the z flip would be i reckon about as good as the next oneplus phone anyway because it's not like the s10 camera was bad it's actually very good it just isn't pixel or iphone but honestly if it's not going to be one of those i would want samsung anyway so this is actually a better camera than i would consider acceptable from my second phone can i ask so obviously in just raw image quality z flip as i would say perfectly good for pretty much everyone can i ask how have you found the form factor of the Z Flip with the rear screen and everything? I'm curious, has that impacted your your camera experience? Because I know for me, that's one of the big selling points. I would not take a selfie with the selfie camera on this phone. Why would you? Why would you ever do that? It's like wasted because honestly, I think the previews that you get from that tiny screen is more than good enough yes. for a selfie. Okay, I'm so happy to hear that because I feel like this is among the the friends I uh, have who've like reviewed the Z Flip. This is a very polarizing subject because a lot of people are like, oh, that screen is stupid and terrible and useless. But I legitimately really find it useful, right? Mm-hmm. So like I've taken so many shots of using the rear camera that I would never have been able to get with another phone that didn't give me some kind of preview, right? Like, obviously, it's so much better than selfie. The only issue is that for like a maddening reason, they're all square. 
Like wait. when you take them from the when wait. you have the phone closed. Wait, no, that's not true. Wait, yes. yeah, no. Wait, yeah. I gotta try this right now. Wait, with the phone closed? Yeah. Okay, I've taken a photo. I'm going to confirm what aspect ratio it is. Oh, it is square. Oh, you know what it is. Wait, so you're talking about when the phone is fully closed? Yeah. Okay, so what I'll often do is I will have the phone open. And then you I just use the around. preview? Yeah, I use okay. the preview to frame because oftentimes I'm changing settings and stuff. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense why they do that, but at least now I know that there is an option. So I will, if I want to get a regular one, I'll just do that. Oh, weird. I hadn't actually hadn't run into that because I actually haven't taken a ton of stills with the phone closed. Usually I have it open because like I'm always just trying to like switch modes and stuff. And like I, I try to like dial it in and then I turn it around and have the cover screen on. OK, mm-hmm. OK, that makes sense. Uh, but I also really love uh, their gesture of raising your hand to start yes. a selfie. It's so clever. Oh, man, I've gotten so many stills just like like I had like so uh, it was my anniversary a couple weeks ago and we were trying to take some stills. Thank you very much. We were trying to take some photos. I'm like, hold on a second. I set the Z flip down like on a table. I used the hinge to angle it just right. And then I held my hand up and snapped the shot. I had so many people asking like, who took the photo? I'm like, the Z flip did. (laughs) My friend Z. <laughs> you know you mentioned you mentioned the little screen, right? What is the name of it? Has it got an official name? I think it's the cover screen, cover display, something like that. Okay. I think it's great. Okay. It's just not just for viewfinding. It is exactly the amount that I want from a screen like this. So you don't find it distracting? No, because it's it's so small that anything changing on that screen will not catch my attention if it's in my peripheral vision. Hmm. But when I want to know if I have notifications, it's very easy for me to get that information. Yeah. And then, because really, if I get a notification, I only kind of want to get a basic idea. Like, do I have an email or whatever? And then I can open up the phone and check it if I want more. I actually really like it for what it is. Like, I don't think I personally want more on a phone like this. Because otherwise, I could just leave it open. It doesn't have to be closed. All the time. Oh, that's a good point, actually. But, you know, I have the the always on display, so it just goes there. And I, I set it, which is quite nice. I have like a wall clock on my always on display, mm. which I really appreciate. It just shows a bunch of time zones. So I can just, and I have a bunch of times just left the phone open, just laying on a desk or whatever, like I would a regular phone. But then if I really kind of just want nothing, I'll just close it up and I will get that. Like the, that little screen is just enough for me. Like I don't find it visually distracting and it gives me just the amount of information that I want. You're kind of blowing my mind right now because I can't believe after using this phone for so long, I don't think I've ever locked the phone without flipping it closed. I've always done that. Obviously, I know you can just press the lock button, but that's actually a really interesting idea. You can literally just treat this like a non-folding phone and never fold it yeah. if you really wanted to. Yeah. You just, I just put it down. Like I'm using it and I just put it down. <laughs> like I feel really phone. dumb right now that I didn't think about that. I was just like, of course, to close it, you flip it to close. It's fine. And then oh, I'm yeah. done with it. But otherwise, it yeah. just goes down on the table, and it's perfectly fine like that. Interesting. Okay. But well, Talking about the folding, though, I remain in love with the folding of this phone. It yes. is cool in a way that I can't describe. And it's every time I show someone this phone, people just flip out over being able to fold it. <laughs> like, they just go, go, go wild for it. People love it. <laughs> right? Because why wouldn't you? It's so satisfying and so weird and then you end up with this tiny little phone left. Yes. I am at a 100% success rate for sitting next to people on planes the last month and then asking, like, what is that? 
or freaking out about it or asking mm-hmm. like, oh, is that that folding phone? Like 100% of the time, because I, I'll always sort of set on the, the, the tray in front of me, I'll set the phone kind of like half up and watch video because I don't want to hold the phone for like six hours. And people are always like, what is that? Is that a folding phone? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, it's Samsung. Don't worry about it. I try to be cool. Yeah, try to be cool. You got to be cool. People love it, right? <laughs> they just they just do. Oh, you know, we didn't actually. There was one of my requirements that we didn't talk about yet, which was ideally close to stock Android. I thought I was going to dislike One UI more than I do. It's not bad. It's mostly ignorable, which is kind of what I want. If I'm not going to be using stock Android, I want a version of Android that's not getting up in my face all the time. And because that's has been my experience in the past, but it really does feel like pretty much every phone maker now is is just chilling out, right? Like it's just calm yes. down, just make a nice looking experience, and we're fine. And and I feel like it stays out my way. I actually like some of the features that it has. Have you seen the one handed mode? Yes, I've accidentally triggered it a couple times. <laughs> So you can set it up where it basically just shrinks the phone down into the right corner. Mm-hmm. I just think that it is a weird but nice feature to have. Well, especially considering how tall the screen is. Exactly. Like if, I'm, if I really can only use one hand, it basically just shrinks it down to the point where I can reach everything with one hand really, really easily. So it's little features like that, which I do actually appreciate. I mean, maybe we can come back to this when I'm frustrated that they haven't updated it with Android 11, but, <laughs> but like we can talk about that later on. Like I, I do honestly think that Android on the Pixel is better looking. I really like the the typography that Google uses mm, for yeah. and for the Pixel version of Android. But I no longer feel like I'm at a disadvantage from just a user experience perspective. I think that it looks fine. It works fine. I don't feel like I need to use a launcher, which is how I felt in the past when I've tried to use Android phones more regularly. Mike, you're making me very happy right now. I'm going to tell you. Oh, well, well, wait, wait, no, no, no. Let me have my moment. I'm, I'm excited. Right. Okay, you have your moment. You have your moment. I was about to say, like, we're, we're pretty much fulfilling your criteria. You have something which is different. It's a conversation starter. I mean, it seems like the Z Flip gang is, is starting strong, but I'm, I'm sensing some hesitation. No, no. There's just, there's, I just want to tell you the one hardware thing that I really don't okay. like about this phone, which is the single speaker. Ah, okay. I was wondering how much that was going to bother you. It really bothers me. Mm, I watch okay. a lot of video on my smartphones. Yeah. And it's not just that it's one speaker, it's one bad speaker. Well, okay, hold on. It's not good, Austin. It's, mm, I don't know if I can agree with that. I think for a mono speaker, it is perfectly reasonable. It's just not stereo is my issue. Well, one of the problems with it is like if you're going to have one speaker, right, and it's a, the speaker at the bottom of the phone, I'm always going to be covering it up. Okay, yes, yes. And I that's what that. makes it a bad speaker for me in the sense that when I'm using it, it doesn't sound good because I'm holding my phone like a regular person, right? Which is like with hands yeah. on either side, especially a phone this size. There's kind of no other real way to hold it. I've gotten too used to a phones using the earpiece as a second speaker. Yeah, and I wish that they yeah. would have found a way to do that. I- I'll give you that. Speaker is one of the weak points of the phone it's for me some of the things that still stand out that you're really losing is definitely the stereo speaker and also brightness i don't know if you've noticed this but for me i still feel like it's a little too dim when i'm in full daylight yeah i have noticed that it's fine it's usable it just feels like it's like a two-year-old phone as opposed to modern smartphones which pretty much all can just blast brightness and look fine in daylight although i will say it's kind of strange really i just think it doesn't perform well in daylight because the maximum brightness level when you're indoors will burn your eyes out 
But when you're mm. outside, it doesn't hold up. And I don't really understand what's going on with that, like how it can be those two things. It may be the plastic is too reflective compared to that like modern it. glass. Yeah, I, I don't know. If you turn the maximum brightness up onto your phone indoors, like I just did it right now, it is uncomfortable how bright it gets. But then I, as you said, when I've been outside... Oh. You, right, oh. you see? Should, when oh, I've been outside, bright. I have also found that it's not doing a good enough job. Maybe just the, the auto brightness isn't working very well. I don't know, right? Like, I haven't manually tried fiddling around of it outside. I'm going to try that. This is 100% a daily driver phone. Yes! It is. You know, I saw this interesting article, which I'll put in the show notes, but basically the idea is, like, I understand the idea that these phones are expensive. We use our phones more than literally any other computing device in our lives if we find that one that we like and it costs one thousand three hundred dollars well that's just how much your phone costs if a phone works for you and it's those prices and and if you're in a position where you are able to afford it like it's not the worst thing to argue that it's okay and especially considering that while the z flip is certainly expensive it's not wildly out of step with other high-end flagships right i mean you might not have that ultra is the same price it's $20 more. Yeah. And that's actually before you even upgrade it too. <laughs> and honestly, like, do I feel like I have a smartphone that costs $1,300? Yes, I do. Because you know what? It folds in half. <laughs> right? Like, I get it. And all right, I'm in the, I, you know, I'm in the gang. We are a Z yes. gang on this show now. 100%. I love this phone. So I've heard you say it. Quinn Nelson at Snazzy Labs has said it too. And I agree. I'm excited about this phone in an uncomfortable way right it doesn't make sense it's not rational to use it all the time i love it Mm. i love it ah mike you had me really worried there at the beginning of the show you were like "Mm, we'll talk about it later i I wanted to keep you on your toes man like Uh. i'll say as well using android has been has been perfectly fine for me like i cannot overstate how much ios and android now like in 2020 have basically moved towards each other the platforms have their differences but the base feature sets are comparable on both now absolutely like i can't think of any like core system feature that is not available on one or the other you know like you might say like oh one has a dark mode but like no they both have dark modes now like they're these platforms are so mature at this point they have all of the base features covered there are services that you lose I don't have iMessage, right? Yeah. But every th- all of the big apps are there now. So, like, every app works basically the same. And at this point, I have, like, three apps that I can't get on my Z Flip that I have on my iPhone that I want. One is Fantastical, which is my calendar app. But I'm sure I can find a really good calendar app. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Overcast for listening to my podcasts. And ah, that's not yeah. there. But Pocket Cast is also really good. They're just different, yes. you know? But the biggest one for me is Apple Notes. Like, I have not found an Ah. app that works for me in the way that Apple Notes does. And I am a very heavy Apple Notes user. And this is, like, not just keeping notes, but being able to, like, very easily save links to a note that already exists. Like, I've been trying out a bunch of stuff and have yet to find something on Android that works just as well for me. But then the biggest problem is, is then even if I do, I would then need to leave Apple Notes on my iOS devices to, like have a cross-platform experience. Yes. Well, I mean, Mike, you know what this sounds like, right? This sounds like the, the perfect segue for a future episode all about organization and how we fully get this Android ecosystem up and running. Because So I yes. know behind the scenes, I've been bugging you for weeks and weeks now. One of the main issues with switching to the Z Flip is that 
there's a lot of stuff. It's pretty much exactly like what you're running into. There are a lot of things and a lot of apps that I relied on on the iPhone, which I simply have not found a good replacement for. So my organizational, like everything I'm doing to keep my life in order right now is like literally a Google Calendar and like Google Docs that I'm like throwing notes in. Like it's a complete mess. Okay. I think I can help you on a bunch of things. Yes. But I want, if our listeners have have good notes apps that they're using, that's maybe the one thing that I'm falling down on. And calendar apps maybe as well. Like I'm sure Google Calendar will do the job, but if you are an Android user and you have good examples of these types of apps, I would be very keen to know them. Please tweet us. Yeah, please. Please please send tweets. You can tweet at the show. We are at the test drivers or you can tweet at us personally. Austin is Austin.Duncan and I am iMike. I am YKE. We would love to get those. But I think, you know, stuff like task managers, which is something I definitely want to get into on a future episode my task manager of choice is available and it's just as good. So, uh, you know, it's really at the point now where the apps that I'm using most every day, they exist on Android. And then it's just a case of like, there will be some services that don't, and like iMessage is one of them, but I can live, you know, when I'm using my Android phone, I don't always need iMessage. Like I can just use my iPhone for iMessage, but I am genuinely so surprised at how much I love this phone. I I genuinely thought it was going to be like, a fun curiosity. I did not expect to be feeling as comfortable as I do with like, yes, I can use this phone as a daily driver without any issues. Mike, you do not know how happy you are making me right now because I feel the exact same way. I got so many people being like, okay, cool, uh, that's dumb, okay, whatever. But like, I have just fallen in love with this phone. Mm-hmm. I just, it's so like, it's because it's got character is the closest thing I can come to. Because, yep. like, it's not practical to fold your phone in half. I mean, it's cool, but it doesn't really do that much for you. But, like, so many phones are so similar now. Especially, like you said, like, iOS and Android. Like, I remember, like, Android used to be weird, man. I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah. was... There were some weird days back in the day. But, like, it's so nice to have a smartphone, which not only gets people's attention, but just makes you smile. Makes you be like, oh, look at this. This is very cool. It's something that I can do that might not be the end of the world. It might not be the most extremely impressive technical feature. But, you know what? This is something different, and it makes me happy. And that's all you need to join the Z Flip gang. I am still eagerly awaiting the OnePlus 8, though. Yeah, I am, too, actually. (laughs) Because, like... I'm still just like, you know, that is the phone that I have my eye on the most Mm -hmm. because I think it's going to take really good hardware to pull me away from the Z Flip now. Yeah. But I think if anyone could do it, OnePlus could do it. And we've had some test drivers listeners saying to me that, like, I need to understand that I'm going to be having more than one phone a year. <laughs> and he's like, all yeah. right, fine. I love the Z Flip. And for me, I find it difficult to think that anything will fully replace it in the near future. Like, I'm sure that I'm going to love the OnePlus 8 and I'm definitely going to spend some quality time with it. But I've fallen for this form factor in just a way that I don't think. And you can definitely call me out if three months from now I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't use it anymore. But like, I don't think I am significantly moving. I will certainly test a lot of phones in the meantime. But this, this Z Flip, man, I. Mm. Mm, something special. You were totally right that it's a fidget toy for me. Yes, it's so good, right? Because it's not just in the opening and closing. Like the size of it is like a almost like a fidget spinner. I could just spin it around in my hand. <laughs> it's perfect. I love this thing. I'm so pleased. 
This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Backblaze. You know Backblaze, and if you don't, you should, because Backblaze are the folks that are looking after your digital data with their unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 a month, no gimmicks, no add-ons. I have all of my data in Backblaze, and I know that it's all there, it's all safe, it's all being taken care of. All of my photos, all of my documents, contracts, business stuff, I'm having it all backed up with Backblaze, so I don't have to worry if I had some kind of data disaster. If I had a device stolen, if I had something explode, if no matter what happens, my data has a home in Backblaze, which means that nothing's going to go missing. Backblaze will back up your documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything that is important to you. And if you do have some kind of data disaster, Backblaze can ship you a hard drive with all your data on it. Once you've restored your precious documents, you can send the hard drive back for a full refund. Backblaze have restored over 50 billion files. That's a lot of saved projects, assignments, and family photo albums. Back up your stuff right now by going to backblaze.com slash testdrivers for your fully featured 15-day free trial and to let them know you heard about them on the test drivers that's backblaze.com slash test drivers do it today thank you to backblaze for saving us from countless data disasters and for their support of this show and relay fm we're going to tease our next episode a little bit we're going to do a bit of a challenge and it's funny to me that you've you've convinced me to go for the z flip and then in our first challenge want to make me use another <laughs> android phone for for like in between episodes okay well hold on before you even get into that, right? This was a challenge that we had anticipated way before the Z Flip was even True. like a glimpse. True. I mean, the Z Flip's hardly old. So, look, this is not my fault, but yes, Mike, it's time to put your Z Flip down because we have something a little different coming. So, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> okay, so there is this little company a few years ago called Essential. Mm hmm. Now, they only made one phone. They made the essential phone, the PH-1. Yeah. Now, when this phone came out, it had a lot of firsts. So not only was it essentially one of the very first phones to have a notch as we know it today with a little like, it's not quite a hole punch, but it's sort of like a, the front-facing camera is right on the top like a lot of phones are today. But this came out years ago. All the way back in 2017, before the iPhone 10, before pretty much all phones sort of lost their minds about bezels, the essential phone was there. Mm -hmm. But there's more to it than just that, right? So the sad news is, is that this phone company is pretty much gone, right? And they certainly had some real issues behind the scenes. But the hardware of the essential phone was so ahead of its time. Mike, have you ever looked at or touched an essential phone before i've seen one i haven't really spent any time with one but i have seen one before the thing that really sort of drew me to this phone well actually there, there are a few things but the real thing besides just the fact that it did have the notch way before everyone else and the bezels were really quite small especially for 2017 was the build so this phone to this day is still one of the only phones that was entirely made out of ceramic and not only is it made out of ceramic which feels so nice in the hand but also has a titanium frame right like this is incredibly impressive and to top all of that off one of my favorite things about using it today is that even though this phone is over three years old even though the company is now essentially out of business it is still fully up to date on android 10 and it's a very clean stock build of android there's a lot a lot i like about the essential phone 
So we want to, on our next episode, kind of talk about the whole history of this phone and also like dive deep into it as a product and how it holds up today. We'll also talk about the company a bit more and it's very not good founder. We'll, I guess we'll address that. Mm. But in essence, to do this, if we were going to actually do this as a test, so taking our Sims out of our Z flips uh, and becoming oh, the essential like gang... Don't, no, I no, needed no, no, one. No, no. I don't have one of these things. Uh, you tasked me to find one, and I found one yes. on eBay for like a like a hundred and sixty pounds or something. Oh, dude, they dropped so much in price. They've been still on sale for quite a while. In fact, I feel like if we would have done this six months ago, you actually may have found one like still listed like on Amazon or something. Now, is yours yeah. new in box or did you get a used one? Very lightly used. Okay, got it. But do you have the actual box? Can you give us a little uh, sneak peek at the unboxing? Well, I don't know. I, I haven't opened it yet. Do you want me to open it? Do it. Wait, so you actually have like yeah, the eBay like box. in the packaging. Oh, okay. Well, it's in like an envelope. Okay. So I have no idea what this situation is. I've been waiting to unbox it on the show. I'm weirdly, very excited. Weirdly, they included a, a case, which is <laughs> strange. Because that was nice of them, I suppose. I love the audio unboxing. I got a 128 gigabyte Halo Gray. It has a Snapdragon Ooh. 835, 4 gigabytes of RAM. Android. I like 10. the gray. I like the gray a lot. All right. All right. The original box. Wait, it's sealed. What? Did you get a brand new one? How is it sealed? What's going on here? Do you think the seller just sort of like plastic wrapped it or something? No, like the actual box sealed. You know, like you know when you get those little tabs that you pull down? Yeah. It's sealed. Oh, so you have a brand new Essential phone. Maybe. A brand new three-and-a-half-year-old phone. That's very peculiar. How do Ooh. I... Oh, that's, this is an interesting unboxing experience. <laughs> this is so good to do on the podcast. I can't tell what's <laughs> happened here. Because, like, the... You know, like, the plastic that goes on the front of it? Yeah. That's in here, but it's been taken off. How did he reseal the box? <laughs> I don't even want to know, man. But it's got everything. I've got all the stuff. Oh, wow, it's heavy. It is. Huh. I mean, it, this phone, it looks like it's never been used. It's like, it's in completely mint condition, which is great. But yeah, I have one. It's got all the stuff. I have a US charging brick, which is fun, I guess. Uh, it's USB-C, USB-C? Yes. And no headphone jack. Really ahead of the time. What an innovator. <laughs> okay. Got a, some braided cables. Man, this is, a, this is a very nicely packaged phone. It's got a chin on it, huh? No bezels, but it's certainly got it a chin. It does. But seriously... Bring yourself back to 2017, right? Oh, I remember how blown away everybody was, including me, about the design of this phone. Like, the little notch, you know? Also, this was a $700 phone when it first came out. So, not $1,000 like today flagships, but back then, $700. That was on the high end. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you consider you've got titanium, that you've got that ceramic, you've got that really... I mean, I know how you feel about it, but to me, this phone does not feel particularly old, even, you know, almost four years later. Well, I haven't used it yet, but from a design perspective, at least. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's got two cameras on the back. We've got a flash there, these two pins. That was like a accessory thing, right? It had some pins for accessories. Yes. Yeah, and actually, that's something that we may get into. If we actually can right. track them down, uh, there's a couple of things. You could add like a headphone jack to it. They had like a little 3D camera that's actually magnetically attached to the back. Hmm. Um, I know that some of these accessories are wildly expensive today, so I actually don't know if we could find them. <laughs> Or if we want to find them, I guess. But yeah, all right. So I have the phone. In between now and our next episode, I'm going to switch my sim over. 
and we can talk about, I guess, how far I get with this thing. Well, Mike, we're the test drivers. I'm not going to let you do this alone. Mm. I, too, have an essential phone, which, to be fair, I used, like, a couple years ago. But I will... I will take the sim out of my Z Flip. There you go. I will temporarily give up my Z Flip gang certification, and I will switch to the essential phone right alongside with you. I think the challenge is, can we both daily drive the essential phone, again, a nearly four-year-old phone, between now and our next episode? Can we do it? 